Today what I want to do is I want to continue on in the kind of the vein I talked about last week, but in a slightly different topic. Uh, today I want to talk about God's invitation. God's invitation. And uh, we take that from Philippians chapter 3 in verse number 14 to the end of the chapter, chapter 21. Hopefully this will end our study in this chapter. We'll move on to the next one next week or the week after. It says, I, pre- I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many be perfect, be thus minded, and if in, in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. <coughs> Nevertheless, whereto ye have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as you have us for an ensample. For many walk, of whom I've told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Let's pray. I ask you, Lord, that you would give me the clarity of mind and thought to preach this message this morning. Lord, I pray that you just fill us with your spirit as we focus on the word of God today, and I pray you'd help us to learn what we need to learn. And I know, Lord, you have an invitation for us. And I pray that all of us would answer today and we'd start running the race that you've called us to. Lord, I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The Bible talks about pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God. Calling. Calling means an invitation. It's like being invited to a party, invited to a banquet, invited to attend something, invited to be somewhere. The Lord is looking down from heaven and he's saying to you today, I have an invitation for you, a calling. Now, the first thing about this calling is, is number one, it's an invitation from heaven. This is not an earthly calling. I like what it says. It says high calling of God. That means upper or heavenly calling. Now, I, I thought that's interesting because, okay, so there's not just a calling, there is a high calling. Now, when he starts talking high calling, immediately my mind thinks, well, if there's a high calling, is there maybe a lower calling? And I think there is a lower calling, but it's not a calling that the Lord gave you. I think many times what we do is we feel in our flesh a lower calling. And we respond to that and we forfeit the higher calling. There's an invitation that the Lord has for us from heaven, something that he wants us to do. And instead of doing that, we don't respond. We don't, what is it, uh, uh, RSVP it? (laughs) I mean, when you're having a wedding and you're having, aren't you, when you're getting those plans together, you want people to respond back. Are you going to be there because it's going to save you money on the plates? Amen. So you want people to respond back. The Lord, when he gave you this high calling, he wants you to respond back. 
But you know what? Many of us don't. And we, why is that? Is it because we just don't want to go anywhere? Is it because we just want to stay at home and I'm too tired today? No, I'll tell you why it is. It's because we've already responded to another invitation. That's an invitation from this world. So there's a heavenly calling. And you can be guaranteed, my friend, there is a lower calling. But what we need to make sure is we respond to the right calling of God, the heavenly calling, the one from above. The Bible says in Hebrews 3 verse 1, it says, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus. So we know that he's involved in the higher calling. Amen? And so we need to make sure that we're following this higher calling. Well, what could be a lower calling? Well, Matthew 6, verse 19 gives us this insight in the, the battles that we have as believers today. It says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, where thieves do not break through nor steal. Amen? And so what we have there, we have two sides. We got one side that says, okay, I want to give my life to things that are temporal, things that are corruptible, to things that rust. I think about this when I drive by a uh, junkyard and I look at those vehicles there. You know, one day there was somebody that probably got a new vehicle and that was it. And they stood beside that thing and they were like this getting their wife to take a picture with their new pickup truck. And now I look at the junkyard and there it is, rusted, broken, useless, profitable. But the effort that was put in to get that piece of machinery was so great that many people will forfeit the heavenly calling with eternal reward, with eternal blessing for a temporal pickup truck that rusts and corrupts. We do it. We do it. Next time you drive by, you take a look and just picture that new teen, that teenager who got his first little Ford, what is it? Focus. <laughs> and they rust real quick. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I'm just kidding, you Ford people. You understand? The Bible says in Colossians 3, verse number 1, it says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. It's a command of God. God has called us not to set our hearts on the things of this earth. That's difficult for young people. Because young people, you're invincible. <laughs> I mean, hey, I've got forever. I remember when I was young and I was struggling and I remember I started smoking when I was my, my mid-teens and so forth and I knew I shouldn't do it. But this was my thought. I have a lot of time to get this out of my life. i got a lot of time to quit. So at 14, 15 years old, all of a sudden it ended up being 25 I noticed that my lungs were <clears throat> waking up in the morning and, and I realized I got saved at 25, 24. And then I realized that, God, where are you? 
And I had to, I had to get rid of some things to maintain a relationship with him. Now, I was scared of dying from cancer. <laughs> I was not rich enough to support the habit, but somehow I made it work anyways, like most people do. Amen. It's amazing what you give up for that little weed. <laughs> and um, anyways, I'll move on. We must evaluate if the calling we are hearing is from heaven or is it for this world. What is your concern for gain today? What do you want to gain? Because what you want to gain is going to tell you where your heart is set. Where do you put your time and your energy? Where do you put the the emphasis of your life? Because that will show you what your God is and what you worship. Amen. Set your affections on those things which are above. Not those things. I was going to tell you about the cigarette smoking. Now it came to me. See, I am getting old. (laughs) Amen. And um, when I quit, I, I was scared of those things. I knew I couldn't afford it. And I tried for all those reasons. And I'd always go back. But then this is what happened to me after I got saved. And I was able to quit for a while, but then I started up again. I said, Lord, I'm, I'm struggling here. And then he began to show me that. He says, wherefore... Come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord. And I will receive you. And I shall be a father unto you, and you shall be unto me as sons and daughters. That doesn't mean that you're not saved if you're touching something that's unclean. But what it means is he can't be a father to you. And you can't be like a son to him. And I knew that I was saved. I knew he was my father. But just like any other uh, sin that's in your life... It separates you and breaks your fellowship with your family and with friends and so forth. And you can't connect anymore. So I'm still my father's son, but at the same time, I can't spend time with my father. My relationship is solid, but my fellowship is strained. And so finally, when I I got that into my thick skull, it says, Lord, I'm tired of not being close to you. I need you in my life. I remember we just got married and we were just expecting our first child. And, and I remember Samuel was born and he really tested me. <laughs> the Lord did something in a couple of different, when he was very young, he got this big growth in his throat. That scared me to death. And that was the first breaking. And I was still smoking cigarettes and, and I, I remember... <laughs> bringing him to the hospital and taking that baby and putting him into the hands of a nurse. And they're taking him to a room and you're not there. And they're going to cut your son. And you don't know what it is. And that was the first time God got a hold of me. So you see who's got this, right? Yeah, Lord, you got it. I can't do anything. He says, right. And he began to teach me these things. A little bit later, when he was older, I think seven, I forget when it was, where he got the the clavicle thing. You remember what age he was, dear? (laughs) It's so long ago. Six, seven years old. He developed a lump 
on his clavicle bone. And I remember we went to the doctor, and I was with Samuel. I brought him in, and we talked to the doctor. And the doctor says, well, it could be an infection or it could be leukemia. <laughs> just, I just kind of, did you just say that? But we can't really know for sure until we do the proper tests. Now, the problem is the test took months. We had to get a biopsy done, and a, sur- and a surgeon had to be involved, and they had to go in there and cut it open. And all this time, I didn't know if my son had just an infection or whether this was leukemia. <laughs> and I remember going into the hospital room one day, and I brought him in. The doctor was checking him over. I saw him leaning against the doctor's table, you know, how they have that little gurney thing, and it's my boy. The doctor says, take off his shirt. So he stood there. In that moment, I said, Lord, if you can switch me, please, right now. Oh, it torn me up. Loved him so much. I couldn't bear the thought of my boy being taken away. And the Lord looks at me, because here I'm in my first ministry. We're in our first church. And I'm just green (laughs) behind the ears. And I didn't know how to trust God. I remember struggling. We went there, I think we only had, we only had taken in maybe $1,600 a month. Our bills were high. We weren't close to anybody we knew. And I constantly, Lord, you know, is this the right thing? Is we at the right place? And, and I looked at that boy, and the Lord said again, who's got this? Who's got this? I said, Lord, I can do nothing. <laughs> There's nothing I can do. Even the decision I would make to do and take his place, I can't. I remember my father, father-in-law, when my mother-in-law was passing away right before we came here to Airdrie. And he said he sat at the bed of his wife. He said, Lord, if I could just take her place. Let her live. You don't got this. You don't got it. There's a reason when God gives an invitation from heaven, you respond. There's a reason you don't put your faith and trust in this world. You will come up empty. We have got to learn to say yes to God. Set your affections above. 
you set your heart on this earth, you're going to be a bad person. You're going to be profitless. You may have some fun and so forth, but there's going to be a day God's going to knock on your door. And you're going to have a Samuel. And then you're going to find out what real life is. So some people say, you know, Pastor, have you ever been broken? I say over and over and over and over again. In fact, I've come to the place where I feel sorry for those that have never been broken. Because they just don't see. You see, there's a reason why God calls a certain person to pastor a church. (laughs) And that pastor ought to be broken many, many times. Or in the process of. (laughs) Amen. Because when I look out here, (laughs) see, this is the problem. When I talk to you, you're judging me through your mind. You don't understand. You don't understand what I'm trying to do. Because you just can't get it. So many people I talk to, their hackles come out and they just don't get what I'm doing. They don't get what I'm saying. They, I'll tell you, when you get broken, you're past that stuff. You get past that stuff. You get past the backbiting. You start caring. And I know it's hard to understand that there could be people in this room that care about you to make hard decisions for you. But one day you will when the breaking happens. Amen. I hope you catch what I'm saying here. I don't want to seem mysterious, but you know the fact of the matter is it's a very simple thing. God will break you. Not to destroy you, but to get you to focus on the heavenly calling for your life. You understand that? And also, all the things you thought were so important (laughs) aren't so important. Amen? It's an invitation from heaven. It's an invitation for those that are in Christ. It says... I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. It's a very specific calling. All true purpose, fulfillment, riches, and glory are found in one place, and that is in Christ. Well, you say, preacher, I'm looking for wisdom. (laughs) Well, you won't find it in this world. You'll find it in Christ. Say, preacher, I'm just looking to be happy. Well, you won't find it in this world. You're going to find it in Christ. You see, we press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of the heavenly invitation that's in Christ. Amen? Not in this world. That means you've got to be saved. In Christ is a prepositional phrase. It denotes position. Amen. You all learned that in English class, didn't you? In. Someone in the boat, out of the boat, in the car, out of the car. It it denotes where you are. 
And so when it's saying that there's a calling of God in Christ, it's denoting the place that you must be in order to fulfill the calling in Christ. That means salvation. It means being born again. It means being saved. You must be placed into Christ when you trust that Christ's death is sufficient to pay for the debt that you owe. And that is death. That is hell. So preach, well, I'm just trying real hard. I'm going to do a lot of things. And, and if I do it real good, then the Lord will take me in. I'll say the only problem with that, the Lord never asked you for that. He says there's only one wage. One payment. It's funny, we go to the judge and he says, the sentence is death. And we go to him and say, but look how good I am. <laughs> he says, there's a little disconnect here because I just said, the sentence for your crime is death. So what does the judge expect? Not for you to take control of the courtroom and say, well, let me tell you what I'm going to give you for my crime. <laughs> He's going to say, you can give me all you want, but until we have death, no payment has been made. Do you get that? You say, preacher, well, that sounds pretty bleak if I got to die for my sins. <laughs> yeah, bleak. And you else knew it was very bleak? Jesus. That's why he came. He saw that it was bleak for you. He saw that if you would pay it, that would mean you would have to die physically. And after this physical death, you would have to remain in a state of separation from God for eternity. Because death is separation. So in order for you to adequately pay for your sin, you would have to die physically. It's appointed every man once to die. And after this, a judgment. And now after you die physically, you would have to spend your eternity away from God. And if you look at the scripture, there's only one other place that is away from God, and that is the lake of fire. And that's where every sinner will go that wants to pay their own wage. I told you before with the guy I knocked on the door in my first ministry, <clears throat> I told him that Jesus paid his death for him. He looks at me and his face is all beat up and blood coming out of his nose and he had a rough night, probably half drunk. He says, I'll pay my own and he slams the door in my face. And that's exactly the truth. Unless he gets saved. He will pay his own. You don't go into the courtroom and say, well, I'll, I'll reform myself. The judge says that's not the sentence. You don't go to the judge and say, well, you know, just I'll try to help somebody. He says, you can help all the people you want, but it doesn't fulfill the sentence. Do you understand what I'm saying here? The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That means even though that you are separated from God and you would have to remain that way forever, that Jesus came and said, I know your, the bleakness of your situation. 
and I am going to make a way for you to be saved. That's where we see the Bible says this in Galatians 3 verse 26. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Now, what does it mean to be baptized into Christ? Does it mean that when we get the baptism tank out here and we baptize you, that somehow you're being baptized into Christ? Well, no, unless Christ looks like water. <laughs> Amen. That's not Christ. That, my friend, is called water baptism. You're baptized into water. But the water is a picture of something. And it's a picture of how that you, when you receive Christ as your Savior, He takes you and places you into Christ. Now, why is that important? Because there's a death that you must pay. Now, how does His death on the cross actually affect you? Because obviously you have a payment that needs to be made, and He's saying, well, I'll pay it for you. But how can He pay it for you if you're not the one paying it? This is how he does it. When you receive Christ as your Savior, he places you, baptizes you, immerses you into Jesus. So that when the Father looked upon the Son 2,000 years ago on that cross, pre-death, in the cross, he saw you there in Christ. So when he allowed the wrath against sin, to fall against his son. In the father's mind, he's saying, this wrath is on my son, and whoever is in my son is protected. See, the reason why you can actually go to heaven one day is that his death becomes your death. It's called substitutionary atonement. Amen? You get placed into his death. The Bible says, baptized into his death. Risen in his resurrection. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, you're already seated with him in the heavenlies. Past tense. That means if you've made a decision to receive Christ, there's actually in God's mind, you've already paid the debt in his son. You were already buried in his son. You were already resurrected in his son. Now, for those of you that can say, oh, you can lose your salvation, that's quite a process to undo. Because the Bible says there's one baptism. It's not talking about water. There's one time that you get placed into Christ, into the grave, into his resurrection. Never to be repeated. That's why in, in Hebrews chapter 6, it says it's impossible for those that have been once enlightened to be, re, or, or to repent, or what is the word? Somebody know? To repent again. That means you lose your ability to repent if you could lose your salvation. You cannot be renewed to repentance. That's why you can only do it once. One baptism. This water thing is just a picture, a testimony, a sermon you're preaching to your church. 
You're saying, let me show you what happened to me when I got saved. I'm going to show you how I was placed into Christ's death. And how that in Christ I've been risen again. (laughs) Amen. That's the picture. But the truth, the fact, the the substance, not not the shadow, is the fact that you, have, you were actually in Christ in his death. You were actually buried with him. And now you're risen with him anew. And the Bible says this, that if it were possible, it'd be impossible to, to be renewed unto repentance. That means you couldn't get saved again if you could lose your salvation. Why? Then it gives you the answer. Because you would have to crucify him again and bring him into open shame. You understand? That's what that passage says. (laughs) It says, if you could lose your salvation, in order for you to get saved again, Jesus would have to come back and do it again. Making a statement that Jesus failed the first time. Because your salvation isn't you. Your salvation is in Christ Jesus. Jude says this. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ, brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. Amen. So this high calling in Christ Jesus is an invitation to those that have actually been placed into the Lord Jesus Christ, that were buried with him and have risen with him anew. Now that's positional, that's, that's salvation. I also believe that when you're talking about being in Christ Jesus, that there's practical connotations to that. And we can also see that we must be willing to submit to Christ's purpose. That's in Christ. You see, you can do a lot of things, but a lot of things you do aren't about being in Christ. A lot of them are out of Christ stuff. Amen? There's a lot of things we do as Christians that are out of Christ, even though we're positionally in Christ. When you start taking the, the, the reins of your life and start saying, this is the way I'm going to serve God, this is what I'm going to do, I'm, gonna so- I'm sorry, that is not in Christ stuff. That's out of Christ stuff. See, it's got to be the Lord telling you what to do. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Amen? That means that you do different things in Christ. Because you do those things in Christ. 2 Timothy 2.1 says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. That means your strength comes from being in Christ. And that strength is grace. Now let me ask you this. How do you get grace? He giveth grace to the what? Humble. So there's a practical connotation to being in Christ. The grace that I can receive in Christ to do the things that God asked me to do are given to me through His grace. But the only way I can receive His grace to do those things in Christ that I'm supposed to do is to humble myself. Submit. 
to lower myself in the eyes of God and to submit and put myself into rank in whatever God wants me to be. That's like this. If you will say, Lord, I'm a terrible father. I don't know how to raise my kids right. If you'll say, Lord, could you please teach me and, and make me the father that I need to be? See, that's putting yourself into your rank. And immediately when you do that, you humble yourself. His grace flows into you to do what? What does it give you strength for? To be a father. Mothers. I don't know how to mother. I'll tell you the first thing you do to be a mother. Submit to God. Submit to God. Because it's only as you submit to God in Christ that the grace of God is going to give you what you need to be to be the mother that God wants you to be. And I realize over my experience, there's not one mother that looks at herself and says, I'm a good mother. <laughs> they are so hard on themselves. Amen? They really are. I understand that. And I don't know if you'll ever feel like you're the great mother. Somebody else will have to tell you that because you probably are. <laughs> Amen? You probably are a great mother. But do you want to be a mother that glorifies God? Submit to get the grace. Same with a preacher. I can be a preacher with stuff outside of Christ. Or I can be a preacher using the strength that I find in Christ. My heavenly calling. My invitation. So what does that mean for a pastor? Think about it. What does it mean for a pastor to submit to being a pastor? Taking heed to the flock. What that's going to mean sometimes is I'm going to make decisions where you as an individual will say, I don't like that. But the pastor as a pastor submitting would rather have you tell him, I don't like that, than to tell God, I won't do that. Because that's where I get my grace. As soon as I start listening to the individual sheep telling me to shepherd, and I allow that to be my source, my invitation, my calling, <laughs> then I lose the grace. I lose the grace. So what is it? You're an employee. You need to be an employee in Christ. In fact, the Apostle Paul talked about that here in Romans chapter 16, verse 3. He says, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus. <laughs> my helpers in Christ Jesus. So you know what? You can only be an effective helper if you're in Christ Jesus. A helper in Christ Jesus. How about um, 2 Timothy 1.13? Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. So where am I going to get my faith and love to do the high calling of God in Christ Jesus? <laughs> That's where it comes from. So number one, I can't, I can't do it. I can't have faith and love without Christ. I got to be saved. <laughs> Amen. But not only that, I got to be submitted. 
when I'm submitted to Christ, now I'm serving in Christ. When I'm serving in Christ, I have the grace of Christ. When I'm serving in Christ, I have the faith and love that is in Christ. The reason why we're not loving people the way we ought to love them is we're not serving in Christ. Amen? You guys agree? I want one amen. Come on. Don't be chicken. <laughs> All right? I say amen real loud. You should do. How about 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 18? In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. <laughs> so the will of God in Christ Jesus is for me to constantly have an attitude of thankfulness. That's why I'm not grateful. I hate serving God. I hate this church. I hate this pastor. I hate that member. <laughs> That's only you may be in Christ positionally, but practically, you're a million miles away. And you can label it how you want it. You say, no, 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 no. Hey, all I know is your attitude is telling me where you are practically. Amen? How about, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Amen? So now the mind I have to have is also found in Christ Jesus. So it's no longer your mind. I'm going to give you a piece of my mind. <laughs> no, throw away the piece of your mind. Renew your old mind and put a new mind in you, which is Christ Jesus. That's how you can respond to the heavenly calling effectively. Imitation. God's imitation. Let's bow.